wife of a priest, that she would speak of her much younger cousin in this way, sort of with her, her words and actions lifting up Mary well above herself, honouring Mary above herself. Mary could have come to Elizabeth and asked her for advice, or can you help me with this? What do I do? Uh, you know, have, have this baby in my womb. Can, can you give me some help? But Elizabeth raises Mary up. Who am I, she says, that I would be so favoured that, that you, the mother of my Lord, would come to me. But of course we need, we need to know that this blessing and this, this favour upon Mary was not on account of anything that she had done, at least I don't think. I mean, she was, she was too young to have earned anything like the description that had been given to her cousin, Elizabeth, and of the priest. In, in verse 6, you might remember from last week, both of them were righteous in God's sight, it says, and they observed all of God's laws and commandments without fault. And yet here's Mary. She's, she's only just a girl. Perhaps just only slightly older than, than my own sons who are here today. And I do wonder if that's the point. Why would God's favour rest on her? What had she done? I wonder if, if part of the point in this is, is to get us to wonder, but, but then what kind of change might this mean for the world that God would choose her? And what kind of change might this mean for any other poor and, and nameless person or, or people just like her who might put their faith in God and in God's Son? This was the kind of of blessing and favour that had once only rested on on prophets and priests and kings. And yet yet now in verse 50 we, we read that his mercy extends to all. His mercy extends to all who fear the Lord, whose whose deeds are described as what does it say? Scattering those people in the world who are proud, whose deeds amount to bringing down the rulers from their thrones, whilst those humble like Mary will be lifted up. It's what happens, says Luke, when the kingdom of God comes to earth, when the kingdom of God comes to town. And it's able to take root in us, to have its way. The proud brought down and the humble will be lifted up. The proud will be brought down and the humble will be lifted up to bring this gospel, bring blessing and hope and peace and the reconciliation of, of people who've been kept out and away from God back to God and the reconciliation between people too. You know, reconciling between the barriers and the, and the walls that we have, have put up. It's what inspired Paul, for example, in his letter um, of Colossians chapter 1, to describe himself like this. He said, I am, I've become its servant and the slave. Same words that Mary uses herself. 
I am the servant by the commission of God for this gospel, to present this word of God in all its fullness, that which has been hidden but which has now been revealed to the people of God. Paul, the one who apparently, you know, the, the most credentialed, the, the greatest credentials to be, to be up on top, and yet he has become a slave, a servant of this gospel word. To them God has chosen to make known, he says, among the Gentiles, among those who have been shut out, to make known the glorious riches of this mystery, God's mercy, which is Christ in you, Christ available for you and to be in you as well. The hope of glory. You know, Paul, get yeah, most credentialed, but also perhaps the most undeserving of God's grace, has become a servant and a slave of this same gospel plan that Mary sings of in her song, where she sings, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful, he has remembered me. The humble one, the humble servant girl. So she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary is like an artwork to us. Mary is like this, this image, you know, Mary, for, for, for me at least, is for, you know, how often have I thought of Mary as a person? Just like me or just like you. The Lord has done great things for me. And I guess Luke's point is he, is he captures the song is to highlight that this is exactly the kind of thing that takes place when the kingdom of God comes to earth. That whoever and wherever we might be, that the humble and that those without any qualifications in the eyes of the world now have immediate access to God, just as much access to God, and will even be lifted up more to become the leaders and the actors, the key players on the stage. But to enable this to happen, sometimes the proud, those who have stood in the way, have to be brought down. And Luke's first proof in this, in this gospel that this is true is that it is already taking place with this young, poor, and otherwise nameless girl who would normally never have been on the stage. And yet, now, where is she? She's been brought right into the middle and up the front. As an illustration, today we, we might want to think, for example, of a, of a school musical um, or, or play. There's plenty of songs in this, in this chapter. We might want to think of a school musical or play where the one child who would never have been chosen or even thought of by her peers has been all of a sudden, and to everyone's surprise, been selected to take the lead. 
She didn't even try out for the role because it was just assumed that all the other boys and girls who are supposedly much more confident and clever, gifted, and besides, their parents are on the board and all this sort of stuff as well. You know, it was just assumed that they would be the ones, that they would always be the ones who would get all the roles. And yet, you know, when this, when this young girl who nobody else had thought of, when she finally hits the stage, she shines. You might want to think of a story like Cinderella. Or do, or do you remember Susan Boyle? Anyone know, remember Susan, Susan Boyle? Yeah. yeah. She, was, she was born of humble working class parents and the, the youngest of nine. She struggled with her mental health and was bullied as a child. When she first appeared on Britain's Got Talent, she said that she aspired to become a professional singer, as successful as Elaine Page, whoever that might be, I don't know, someone famous. (laughs) I shouldn't have said that, should I? (laughs) But the audience just took one look at her appearance, and what did they do? They scoffed. (laughs) Who's she? She'll never be. Later, Boyle, Susan Boyle said, I knew what they were thinking. But why should that matter? As long as I can sing. It's not a beauty contest. Sadly, for many of these days, it is. However, not in the kingdom of God. Following her performance of I Dreamed, A dream. It was described by one of the judges as the biggest wake-up call ever. She sang to and won the hearts of millions of people around the world while she still struggled with her mental health and was was but yet was clearly lifted up and she went on to fame. (laughs) Woohoo! Now you know these are not story. These are not obviously stories of, of the gospel as such. But they are hints and, and tastes of the kinds of things the gospel does. You know, like, like the naming of, of a boy, shepherd. The, like the no-name boy shepherd, I meant to say, who was the youngest and the, and the smallest of, of eight older brothers. But then to everyone's surprise, what happens? He's anointed as God's chosen king. Well, the much um, stronger and more confident Saul... King Saul was brought low because David had a heart after God. And as as we go on, you know, on almost every single page of Luke's book, of the gospel, we will hear how wherever Jesus went, you know, how he he raised up the humble and, and those who were otherwise left out by his society and on the side. He lifted those people up to the place of honor. Maybe just by you know, sitting together over a meal, by healing, by giving his love and his attention and his time. Or perhaps by speaking the truth to the proud who were in need of being brought down. And he did this all, did he not? As the Lord and earth of the Lord of earth and heaven, by embracing his position. By embracing the position and the lowly status of a servant, the the king of earth and heaven embraces the status of 
a servant. One more story that I heard just this week. A school dropout turned addict to drugs in cellar in Reno, USA. He discovers, as he's read it for himself, as he reads the Bible for himself, that the Jesus of the Bible is different to the Jesus that he was presented with when he used to go to youth group at church. The Jesus who, when he was at church, seemed to be all about our behavior and about rules, rules that he kept on struggling to be able to keep. But upon reading the Gospels for himself, he discovered the Jesus who loved and pursued the outcasts, the poor, and the people who were just like him, the dropouts and the druggies and the people who who were ignored and, and pushed down by our world. So he throws himself on Jesus and he begins to tell all of his dropout and druggy friends about Jesus too. Hey, he says, can we start a Bible study? He's got this idea, he wants to start a Bible study in one of their homes. And without even intending it, he had started a church. A church that kept having to move from place to place because so many others wanted to join them too. Even as some of them, many of them perhaps, were still smoking and injecting at the time, but they wanted to find out about this God, this Jesus who loves the outcasts and the poor. His name is Harvey Turner, and now he pastors, he, he helps pastors and, and Christians like me. He is a pastor, um, and he helps us to, to I guess, to, to learn and to grow, to, to be like Jesus too in this way. Paul wrote in that passage I read before of the glory of God. The glory, you know, I think, of, of relationship with God. The glory of God. But God's glory has always been rooted in terms of our access to it. has always been rooted in God's mercy, even from the start. If you think about it, God did not have to create. God did not have to create, but By God's mercy and love, God did, even while God knew that we would absolutely fail to live up to to God's glory on our own. But I think one of the, the biggest failures that we make, one of the biggest areas in which we fail is with our pride. And, you know, pride has such terrible effects on the world that God has made. Pride for example, is what, what makes us think of ourselves as somehow better and more, more worthy of God's favour and of God's care than someone else. Pride is what leads us to, to judge another person as being lower than ourselves. And of course, pride is also what leads to, to the much greater problems in our world, like um, war and injustice and, and inequality unequal access to the things that we need. Because you know, it's, it's pride that so often guides the power to be used in these ways, to, to, to raise some people up and to push other people down. Unless, unless, as in the words of Mary's song, we allow her son to be born 
and to grow in us as well. So just three things, I guess, that have stood out for me as I've, as I've read through this passage. And they are that, first of all, Mary, of all people in the world, had been called on by God to be the one person at the centre and at the heart of this gospel plan, to bring down the rulers from their thrones and the proud and to lift up the humble and the poor by revealing what God is like and by calling a people who will be filled by God's spirit to do the same. And just in, just in herself, as Luke shows, Mary is a model and an example of just what this looks like and means. What happens when the gospel comes to town? You know, even the fact that we are told almost nothing about this girl, except her name and where she's from. This is you know, just another way, I think, that Luke shows that she is just like any other nameless person that we don't yet know or that we know or that maybe we want to avoid from down the road. But what I love about the gospel is that through the love and the grace and by the power of God, even the most unlikely soul can be lifted, can be called and can be redeemed by God today as a, and to be, can become a key player um, on God's team. So Mary, at the beginning of the gospel, is the first example that Luke gives that this is that this is true. Secondly, Mary is a model for all people who've ever lived in the way that she responds, and that even with no special skills, you know, no no certificates or degrees or experience or, or knowledge, she just declares. Here I am, your servant. I am your servant. Let it be with me according to your word. You know, she had nothing to offer except what? It's just her body. But with all that she has, she says, yes. How will I do what has been, been what is required? She just says yes. Now, are you and am I willing to respond to God like that? When we have, when we, when it feels like we have nothing to bring to this task. And the last thing that I'm drawn to, I guess, is the clear and obvious fact that when God calls to us. You know, in the same way that God called Mary. When God calls, and when we say yes, it will almost always, as well, come at a cost. And it will often hurt. So, you know, yes, well, well in Mary, we're being presented by Luke with a model of who we should definitely want, look up to, and, and, and want to copy. Um, and how with even nothing to offer but her womb, she totally submits to God's call. Luke is presenting her to us as a, as a model. However, even more, I've wondered, did it not surely also occur to Mary that 
This good news that she'd received would also come with a cost. This good news that Mary receives would also come at a cost. And at a significant cost to her. I mean, what about all her her plans Um, for just a normal kind of life, perhaps, like you and me? Um, You know, it was a miracle, yes, but a and a calling, but at, but at what cost? Later, in, just in chapter 2, when Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus to the temple, there was an old prophet-like man who took one look at Mary, and do you know what he says? He says, well, you know, this child of yours, he's going to cause the falling and the rising of many. The falling and the rising of many. And... He will be a sign that many will speak against, so that the hearts of many hearts, so that the, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then get this, in verse 35 he says, "And a sword will surely pierce your soul too." He says to Mary. It was a calling, but at what cost to her? How often do you think we either turn away? from our calling, or we grumble about the cost. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, the fear of the cost as well. Maybe it's the fear that I have, I have nothing to bring, no, no skills or, or knowledge or experience that I can bring. Can we, can we still be like Mary and say yes? I wonder how many people really did believe that, that you know, in what, what, what Mary said, that, that she really did stay pure until she was wed. How many really believed the story? What was it like for her when her son decided to, to sort of choose the road of, of pain? What's it like for you mums? <laughs> When your kids suffer and are in pain. So when God calls you know, for real, don't be surprised if it will hurt. Because I think now about, about just closing, um, you, might, you might remember that there's not just one, but there's actually two um, beautiful songs in this chapter that we've thought about today. One, the first, of course, is sung by Mary, while the other is sung by the priest. Yes, of course, the chapter closes with Zechariah, the priest getting his second chance to shine. This time it's good, and he obeys. Their son is named John, we're told, just as the angel said, and he gets back his voice. You know, he was judged for his lack of faith, and yet now he's being redeemed. That's how the story goes. And he's back on the stage now to sing his, his own song of praise to God as well. Don't you love how God always um, calls and, and works by grace? He's called, he failed, second chance, and he shines. And yet while they both sing of this new and incredible thing that God was doing, through their two different sons, it's, it's highly significant and important that the normal order of things here is flipped around and that Mary's song comes first. 
She's young. She's unknown. She's poor. And she's a girl in a world and a time that was ruled by men. She's humble. And yet because of the humble state of the servant, she's willing to submit and she's willing to trust in God. Even when it hurts for what she needs. And so in in so many ways, she is an example for us today of the gospel and of what happens when the kingdom of God comes to town. That for which we pray. She's a model for us in her response, even when the cost to her or to us may be great. So as we close, I want to make space for us just to pause for a moment in prayer so we can listen for Jesus' voice for us today and, and to invite God to speak by asking, God, where and in what ways do you want to change how we see? How we see the people and the places in our city and that part of our lives here today. God, how do you want to change how we see? How do, what do you want to show us to enable us to see where your kingdom is at work and wants to be. Secondly, Lord, how are you calling and inviting us to respond? And then lastly, what what barriers, ideas, fears are we allowing to, to stand in the way? Barriers or fears are we allowing to stand? Ideas are we allowing to stand in the way of, of, of us being able to see or to be a part of what God really wants to do among us, perhaps, um, perhaps in your workplace, perhaps in your school, um, perhaps in our city as well? I'd like to, to close by leading us in a prayer and allowing some space to think about these these questions, these themes. Lord, sometimes we can be struck by the beauty of your word such that we fail to know what it means for us today. We're struck and we're captured by the beauty of of these songs and we have an idea about what they mean. But we don't go all the way. We haven't explored every word and every line, every theme, Lord, of what you are trying to say through your word. Lord, as we as we think on these on the scripture today, as on these these words today, on these songs, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to see what that might mean for us today. Lord, prompt us by your Spirit and how you are calling us to respond. Where to, might you be calling us, Lord, to be part of what you are doing in this place? And Lord, help us also to see, prompt us, Lord, to know what barriers, what ideas and what fears 
might be preventing us as a church and as individuals from joining in your work, Lord. We, we prayed at the start, Lord, clear the way. Let us clear the way. Make a way in the wilderness, in the desert. Make a highway for our God. Lord, we ask that you would help us too to make a highway for you, so that you might be at work in us, Lord, and use us for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.